Hey everyone, welcome to JD Power's Technology Support Podcast. I'm Michael Vermillion with JD Power, and with me today are Mark Miller from JD Power, and we also have Greg Dickerson and Mike Noweth with us today. So, Mark, Greg, Mike, welcome. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Great to be here. Topic for today's uh, podcast, and we're going to do a couple of these um, going forward. Uh, is that we here at JD Power um, have uh, worked to develop a maturity model for the uh, technical support uh, organization, and the way this the, the way to think about this is that every organization is in a different place when it comes to maturity. Uh, we have it organized in terms of uh, four different states, ranging from uh, an organization where there's really kind of no process or planning. Uh, all the way to an organization that is hitting uh, every mark uh, in terms of best practices. Uh, so that's kind of the range of the maturity. Uh, and then we've got it broken into four different buckets or categories uh, labeled primary, people, process, and technology. So today we want to hit on the process uh, bucket in terms of the maturity model for technical support organizations. So uh, Mike Noeth, um, how are we thinking about the maturity of technical support organizations when it comes to process. Yeah, thanks, Mike. And and uh, so as you mentioned, um, the organizations are, are at different levels of maturity. But one of the things we look at is the whole category around the support channels and what processes are in place uh, there, and what what are the channels and how are those channels connected. So kind of from left to right across your screen. Uh, organizations that are that are early in the game and kind of kind of informal and somewhat primitive, they may have one or two channels that aren't necessarily connected. And on the far right, if you will, what we talk about is omni-channel, where all of those channels are connected. So here's an example of that. You might start a chat session with a support engineer, and it might become apparent that this needs to progress to a broader uh, assisted case where you need to get on the phone with one another, perhaps. Uh, if you do that, then the chat transcript would be preserved so that you didn't have to start from scratch with perhaps a different uh, support engineer. And, and then in the middle of the various phases. But we're just looking at how the organizations have, again, in the context of processes around support channels, how they offer those channels to the customers, uh, how the customers are able to choose their channel of choice, and, and then how those channels uh, connect with one another. Uh, Greg, you might have more to add on that. Absolutely, Mike. One of the things that um, that we've observed um, in the, the recent past is um, there's a there's a weakness there in terms of transparency uh, across these channels where um, you don't necessarily see uh, when it comes to CSAT and it comes to financial the financial impact your front lines don't necessarily see everything and therefore they're kind of handicapped in that area when they're engaged with those customers. So, um, you know, there was a, a more re a real recent example where um, a specific client that we worked with demonstrated through their survey results, how they actually identified anything that came about uh, through these results and are they were actually able to make improvements that allowed the channels to actually work the way the channels should be working and they were seeing um, you know solid results because of that 
You know, another thing I would say too is that one of the one of the many channels that we often see, and some customers or clients are uh, more along the, the road, if you will, on this one, is the whole self service aspect, and that's all about providing information to customers so they can solve their own issue. And there's a lot of process uh, that's necessary with respect to that as well. How, how is information created, and how is it provided? How is it found? How is it stored? How is it updated? And, and uh, sometimes we see there's a ton of information, but finding it and keeping it current are, are maybe a, a different story, if you will. So again, it goes back to the, the processes around uh, enabling customers to get their answers the way that best suits them. And, and all of this process, of course, is in the context of, of not becoming the work, but rather being there to support the work. You're absolutely right, Mike. I, you know, when it comes to self-service, the, the front lines need to be the educators. They need to be teaching the customers how to help themselves so that, you know, in their capacity, they can then in turn, you know, focus on the complex, the tough problems that come about. And uh, we don't see enough of that. And, you know, the, the instances where, you know, you have a robust self-service um, portal for the, your customers, but it's not really speaking their language. And that's one of the areas that we see that, you know, progressive companies will look at and say, how do we make this really interactive with our, with our customers and make it useful for them so that they don't, you know, experience that level of frustration of not being able to find what they're looking for. And then uh, consequently end up opening an assisted case. Uh, which takes more time, more resources, and adds to the level of frustration with the customer. So, so we talked about uh, self-service. We talked about enabling the front line to train the customers. Um, where else do we see um, companies struggling a bit in terms of uh, process, uh, just in terms of ad advancing from kind of where they are today to, um, to what we would view as best practice? Absolutely, Mike. Uh, another area we look at is quality and how that uh, the quality program is uh, being handled within a support organization. Companies that do this very well have standards and they have specific expectations for QA. They look at both the technical and process related aspects of the case. Uh, in addition to that, they look to conduct regular calibration sessions to make sure that there is a consistent interaction, no matter you know which uh, individual in the front lines is engaging with their customers and how they're engaging, as we alluded to with the variety of channels available. Uh, and you know we've seen both ends of the spectrum: companies that only look at the technical aspect of a uh, interaction and others that focus in on, you know, the soft skills. They look at the email communications, the meeting follow-up commitments, things of that nature. And they don't really look at, okay, well, did they provide the right solution? So, um, you know, both sides of this coin are very, very important. Uh, it's essential to have a quality program that, that truly addresses both. Yeah, I'd jump in here real quick. Um, you know, Greg and Mike, in our experience with top performers, there's a wide variance between them and others in, in terms of sustainability. 
Um, I mean, in your experience in being out in the field with uh, a variety of client performers, would, would you agree that many organizations on a flow chart have a process, but not all organizations who have a process actually consistently follow it. Um, and in addition, they consi don't consistently follow it when they get call spikes um, or case spikes, right? Um, which oftentimes on the surface sounds really good. Like, hey, we got to meet our service levels, which were, of course, at JD Power, all four meeting service levels. But once you start going down the path of giving up some of these uh, QA elements, as an example, and then coaching behind it and developing behind it in pursuit of short-term, um, you know, chasing a, a service level, you can actually create kind of a mini runaway effect that gets out of control very quickly. So. Would you all have any comments on that notion of consistently applying the processes? Um, QA is a good example, but other processes around coaching and development yeah. as being a key that, that top performers do consistently versus those who might not. Yeah, I would certainly, certainly support that, Mark. I mean, if, for example, uh, when we go in and look at, at uh, support organizations and, and we we ask to have processes shown to us and demonstrated, and then, and then we then we look for evidence that they're actually being lived by. To your point, because otherwise it's just some document that somebody created and and doesn't follow. So case in point, uh, back to uh, quality of work. Look at case management. We we like to we like to see consistency around how is a case opened, how is it worked, how is it how is it escalated, how is it closed, uh, you know, how is the customer updated all through that process and. And from the outside looking in, that's super important because otherwise, uh, every time I call you, you look like a different company to me. And then as far as the quality specifically, you know, it, it's a conscious effort on an organization to measure quality. Everybody can measure quantity. How many cases do we take? How many did we close today? How fast did we do it? Uh, but how well do we do it is where this quality work comes into play. And it's super important that organizations take a look at a, at a sample size of their cases. And as Greg said, making sure that we've got technical accuracy, we've got soft skills in place, we're using the right tools, we're, we're, we're implementing uh, the processes which we say we have, to your point. Uh, it's all very important along the way, and it's what differentiates really good service organizations from, uh, from others that are just there. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is that, um, and this is kind of a, quasi plug for our, uh, what we offer, you know, we've got over 300 best practices and when folks self score, they do better than when we score them. Right. Because the, the proof is in the pudding all the way down through the org. So it's just not the existence of so, but it's the execution of, so a tip for everybody as you start thinking about process, go beyond the review of the process in the flow charts and go beyond meeting with executives who have responsibility for executing the processes, but go all the way down through the front line because that's where you're going to see those misses. Wouldn't you guys agree 
with that assessment? Absolutely, Mark. And I think the other thing is that it's looking at uh, even further when you do a comparison of companies that do things and do things well, they look at quality as an example, as a means to coach and develop their people, not as a means to performance manage them. Uh, and that's one of the, you know, that's one of the biggest differentials is, is really using that quality, whether you have, you know, frontline supervisors doing the quality work or whether you have a separate team, using that as a means to, you know, really develop your people and help them to grow in their role and become better is is the key. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. When we look just across all industries and actually across disciplines within orgs, so this is this goes beyond technology support, though it's certainly applicable and frankly, you know, as much or as uh, more uh, applicable uh, in this case is this notion of incentives and controls and processes so important. Uh, Greg, you just mentioned something that you actually can build on both the notion of incentives and controls or, or mechanisms that you put in place to ensure that things are met. And then incentives are the motivation behind activating those processes in terms of actions and behaviors, um, and the, the best companies gain executional advantage. So moving something from a concept to execution success by paying strict attention all the way through to aligning incentives and controls in that QA that you just mentioned is among the very best examples of how you can get a force multiplier by measuring certain behaviors that, oh, by the way, are incented against and coached against and rewarded against. When you have those elements in place, you're really able to quickly move the performance needle when they're all aligned. And that's just a great example that you brought up, Greg, of uh, getting out of compliance mode, but getting into behavior mode with your QA programs. So, so, guys, just to wrap up uh, today's topic, um, in, in our framework, outsourcing strategy falls into the process bucket. So, so what, what does a great best practice look like for outsourcing strategy, and how does that compare to where most companies are today? I think what we see is that companies that do it well view their outsourcer as a true partner, someone that shares the same values and goals, not just simply as a means to reduce um, support costs, uh, you know, because you're never going to see what you ultimately are looking for when you, when you make a decision for uh, an outsource partner as a, uh, utilizing, you know, cost savings, because there are so many hidden costs when you don't have that same level of value and same goals in mind with, with that partner. So making sure that they are, you know, 
totally aligned and that you are transparent in your communication um, with them and providing them with the tools necessary to be able to be at the same level as your own internal staff. Um, I mean, I've, I've seen both sides of the equation here. Uh, there was one client in particular that I worked with the first time I worked with them um, that they actually wouldn't allow uh, their brand to be displayed in the partner's facility. They didn't want anyone to recognize that they were actually utilizing that partner. That was the, to the extent that they were not engaged with that partner and they were treating them more as a, you know, a vendor or a supplier. Yet there was another client that I worked with that actually, if you walked up to a member of that outsourced team and asked them who they worked for, they would not identify themselves by the outsourced company that they work for. They identified themselves by the client name and brand because they were so totally embedded with that client and understood their products and understood the passion behind the products that that client was offering. Yeah. And what I would say in addition to that is, you know, the, the, the companies that really have a solid strategy, um, they give you a real clear answer on why. You know, sometimes we go in and we talk to clients and we go, why are you outsourcing? And uh, they start telling us about the products and the levels of service. And we're like, yeah, yeah but why? You know, what problem are you trying to solve? And, and if you're really clear on that, and as Greg says, it's not just about saving costs, but it's providing a certain level of expertise, perhaps in a part of the world or on a product set or maybe your mature product set, for example, uh, so that you can represent your service organization, your, your tech support organization, and the partner can represent it as you. So that from the outside looking in, it still looks like the A-team. That, that's, that's what the end game is here. And, and on the side of those that are not so strong in this area, uh, sometimes they seem to have lost the plot in terms of why they're actually outsourcing. You know, we've, we've kind of always done it, um, but it's not any longer clear in terms of what are the products, what are the service offerings, uh, are you only doing level one, are you only doing the older products so that your engineers can work on newer products, whatever that strategy is, we like to see some real clear answers to that. And then from a process standpoint, that the partner executes uh, the same way as, the, as the, uh, the prime, if you will, so that, again, from the outside looking in, it looks like one single organization. Those are uh, great insights, and uh, that's going to wrap it up today. Wrap it up for today. So I want to thank uh, Mark, Greg, and Mike uh, for joining us today. Great to be here. Thanks. And also want to thank you, our listeners, as well. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>